So the news came out the other day that I guess it was yesterday that um, the SEC denied GBTC or Grayscale this spot ETF that they want to convert this product to. Um, and I'm not going to go into the reasons. I have not read the SEC's comments. But I think somebody who did, his name is Adam Leviathan, Leviathan, who seems to have a good take on this. And I apologize, I didn't link to it. Maybe I'll edit it and link to his comments. But I just want to point out sort of a glaring question here. And this is the question that I entitled this little podcast with, which is, where was all the outrage when GBTC was trading at a premium? Where were their calls by the public, by investors, and by Grayscale themselves to convert the GBTC product into a spot ETF? Now, I think a lot of people, I've seen some people, and I'm not going to name any names, but I've seen some people say that the SEC is to blame for this uh, huge discount to NAV. Would they have said the same thing when it was trading at a premium? Would they really blame the SEC for that? So the SEC is now at fault for not approving Grayscale's product, and they're at fault for this huge discount or spread to NAV, right? So they're basically now blaming the regulator on the failure of the structure of GBTC as a product to not perform. And GBTC, we can pretty much say that, that when, you know, at times where this product was popular, it has never uh, achieved its goals. It's been advertised falsely. Right, it's never achieved its goal of really being one to one with the underlying Bitcoin price because, of course, it can't. Um, you can't arbitrage this product. Now, I say that, but there's a caveat here, and the caveat is Barry Silbert, the owner of this GBTC product, right? The guy who created this product, he definitely can. Uh, he's the only one, in fact, he, he wrote it into his product at some point, that he's the only one that could possibly do anything about this spread, this discount. So um, why isn't he doing it is the obvious question. First, you look at the rules. So to analyze this, right, and I don't have all the, uh, the knowledge to analyze this type of product, but because um, I'm not like a trust expert, right? But I would find someone who was like, if I had a huge interest in this product and if I was a huge shareholder, you know, maybe like a BlockFi, maybe I would have, you know, I probably would have been working on this all year, all year round this past year. If I, if I knew that I loaned money and part of that collateral happened to be at the GBTC trust, I would have made a point. I would have made this my top priority to figure out how do I get the Bitcoin out of GBTC? Right? How do I get the underlying out? Because if there's a huge premium, there probably is going to be a huge discount. It's only a matter of time. 
Um, but the idiots, I guess, at BlockFi uh, either didn't think about that, didn't think it was a big uh, possibility, didn't think it was a big risk, you know, and I'm just speculating here, but I've heard reports that they lent uh, upwards of a billion dollars to Three Arrows Capital in the form of Bitcoin, you know, and so they, sorry, they lent them either dollars or some kind of stable coin product and they had collateral, but it was in the form of Bitcoin in combination of GBTC shares. Now that could be a rumor. It probably is a rumor. But if you're taking collateral in GBTC shares, you better damn well know how to liquidate that collateral and realize there could be a very big discount in this product eventually and that you could be screwed. <laughs> also know that GBTC doesn't trade 24-7, just like, you know, Bitcoin spot can be traded 24-7. But if you are involved in GBTC, right, it doesn't trade on the weekend. It's a different type of product, right? It's a different type of product. It's got a different type of risk. You, can, you can't really get at the underlying. And BlockFi, you know, to the extent that I'm speculating here, they, to the extent that they actually took uh, collateral in, in GBTC shares, they really screwed themselves. The better trade was on three years capital side, was to get a loan, right, and put up GBTC shares for that collateral. I would say... That was probably the best trade they ever did. I mean, I'm again speculating here, but that's what I would do. I would want to to dump my GBT shares knowing that there could be a discount, right? Knowing that there could be this discount. And what's crazy is that this guy, Matt Welsh, Matt Welsh, Walsh of On The Brink podcast, right? He had on apparently the co-founder of Three Arrows Capital who told him in a podcast, this is how we use the borrowed money that people like BlockFi, who, you know, uh, Castle Island Ventures, you know, is an, is an investor of, of BlockFi. This is how we use our, the, the money we get that we borrow from BlockFi. We dump it into GBTC. You think, and he on the podcast, he said, we believe that this premium can't last. We believe that GBTC is going to eventually go into a discount. Matt Walsh was asked to delete this from the podcast, but he heard this and this guy should have immediately run to BlockFi, who his company is invested in and told them this, like told them not only the fact that like it could go to a discount. And if we've taken GBT shares as a collateral for any loan that we've done, ding, 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 that could be a red flag. But this guy knows it can go into a discount. That's a second piece of knowledge. So anyone can, could probably tell that this thing was going to eventually trade into a discount. It was at a premium. Why wouldn't it go into a discount? But the fact that the guy that you lent money to and that you collateralized possibly this loan to him with GBTC shares knows. He knows that this could be trading at a discount. And he knows further that this is bad public information. What does that tell you as an investor? Well, it tells me that he might cut and run, that he might know this is a good deal for him. He gets a loan. He gets his cash immediately. He gives BlockFi, you know, partially, possibly, this is a speculation again, but he gives BlockFi possibly GBTC shares in exchange for money up front, right? So now BlockFi is on the hook for trying to figure out what if GBTC trades at a discount? 
we're screwed to, to spot Bitcoin? And what if we can't have no possibility or hope of getting this stuff out of, uh, of getting the underlying Bitcoin out? So in my opinion, this Matt Walsh guy, I don't know anything about this guy other than he's a partner at Castle Island Ventures. But maybe he told the people at BlockFi. Maybe he said, look, you know, they, they told me to edit this out. They're, you know, they know this could happen. They obviously don't really want people to know that or they don't, they don't really want people to say, to know that they said this. This is a little bit risky. Have you done your analysis here? Have you thought about all the ways that BlockFi might have to, de- you know, uh, sell this GBTC shares into the market if, you know, they don't meet their margin calls, if there's a collapse and if there's this huge discount to NAV. And the fact that like this could happen on a weekend and you can't really dump your shares on a weekend, it could just like gap down, you know, in a huge way. Did this Matt Walsh guy ever approach BlockFi leaders and say this? I mean, not that he had to, but he's an investor through his part, you know, through his VC firm called Castle Island Ventures. So you'd think it'd be in his own self-interest to say, look, hey, uh, maybe you guys should like let check this out. Maybe you guys should research this. Maybe you guys should should model this kind of risk. Uh, I wonder if that ha- if that happened. You know, if he was a good, if he was doing his job, which would be looking out for the people that looking out for the companies he's invested in as a VC. If he was doing his job, he should have immediately flagged this and you know at least approached the management at BlockFi. Uh, if this was indeed happening, maybe I don't, maybe he didn't have the info. Maybe he had no idea that BlockFi was, you know, lending to, uh, to 3AC, but I kind of doubt it. Like, I kind of doubt that he was an insider. He was an investor in BlockFi and he had no idea about the loans outstanding to 3AC. Now, it occurs to me, Zach Prince actually said on a, on a tweet, he confirmed that 3AC uh, at one point had equity in the company. And so if you have equity in the company and you're like also getting a loan, um, maybe that thought, well, they're incentivized to pay this back. They are equity owners. But I mean, you, I don't know. I mean, you, you, to me, you have to separate out that. And you can't just assume they're going to be on your side. I wouldn't assume that uh, if it was me. But, you know, now the – so getting back on this topic, though, the, the – that where was the where was all the outrage when GBTC was trading at a premium? Why is there more outrage when it's trading at a discount? Because it's still off, right? It's still not tracking spot Bitcoin. So again, where's the outrage when it was trading at a premium? Well, no shit, there was no outrage, right? Because why? Everyone's making money. Uh, you know, the institutions here, they're making money basically dumping to retail or, or basically scamming retail, right? To, to buy Bitcoin, you know, by this overpriced GBTC product. Um, in my opinion, um, you know, Barry and, and Grayscale is mostly at fault for pumping this product to retail and basically false advertising saying that it tracks the price of Bitcoin when it clearly didn't even at a premium. But, um, but why, you know, the question is, why are they, why are they so desperate now to convert this to an ETF? And you should ask yourself, again, I'm not a trust lawyer, but ask yourself, how is this product structured? What has Barry put in place to basically screw all the trust beneficiaries? 
do 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 does Barry even have fiduciary duty to the beneficiaries? In my opinion, I don't know. I don't think he does. Because I think that they could easily sue him. Hey, you're not acting in the shareholder's best interest. And clearly no one's no one's uh, threatening those lawsuits. I tend to think that they don't even have fiduciary duty to their to the to the beneficiaries of this trust. That's just me speculating. But I think this product really sucks for the person who buys the shares. And I think it really is great for the per- person who starts it like Barry Silver. Like this product, basically, this is Barry's Bitcoin. This is not your Bitcoin. He can do whatever the hell he wants with it. And in my opinion, and somebody else also said this, is that the SEC basically handed Barry a gift. No. So why would Barry Silver want the arbitrage to happen? Because Bitcoin is going to be dumped on the market yeah, the GBT shares might be bit up, but 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 uh, way worse is that Bitcoin is going to be dumped on the market. It's going to have another huge crash. This is bad for Bitcoiners. It's bad for the industry. It's probably bad for Barry and all his other companies that he's invested in because he's invested in quite a few, like a lot. And it, it's not really great for Bitcoiners. So why is he pushing this? Maybe he knew the SEC would say no or there was a good chance they'd say no. And maybe he thinks this is a good distraction. Maybe he thinks if I, if I pretend like I'm fighting for the shareholders of, of this, and I don't even want to call them shareholders. I want to call them beneficiaries of this trust. So I, I, you know, I've been doing research, a little bit of research, but again, I'm not that, uh, um, I haven't done a deep dive. I haven't, you know, analyzed the legal language here because I'm not a lawyer, but I think this pro this base this base this product is basically like a business trust, and he uh, he basically had to send like um, a, a notice to the SEC like an exemption, right? But this is a way to you don't have to really file with the SEC. Barry did not have to file with the SEC. He did not have to get approval by the SEC. He used a loophole that said this is a private placement, right? In the beginning of his product, and he said basically you can give me Bitcoin, I'll give you the shares. Uh, and and then there's a lockup period for the people who who got the privilege of giving giving him Bitcoin at at the price of Bitcoin spot. They got shares, which were you know very quickly trading at a premium because they pumped this product up in the retail market. And retail didn't really know that there was such a huge spread between the premium of GBTC and the underlying Bitcoin in the in the spot market. So there was this huge arbitrage trade, with, which you know a lot of people got involved in, including BlockFi, I guess through three years capital and who knows who else. Uh, but, um, uh, but, um, of course there's these huge fees and, um, you know, they got, they got fined. They got in trouble for trying to like, they did allow some redemptions at one point while they were creating new units of the, of the product. But the SEC slapped something on them saying, you can't do this. You're violating the type of product that you have. But, but again, private placement, it's like, it's like having, it's like saying, yeah, we're selling a security and here's our exemption because we're not really going public with it. We're going to have this lockup period for, for the people who got in on on the ground floor who were quote unquote, like millionaire type people who had adequate funds to invest in this type of product. Uh, Again, private placement. And then whenever the lockup expires, they can then sell to anybody in the public, you know, over over the counter, which 
trades on all these weird secondary market type things, which, you know, Barry Silbert, um, that's what he did before he got into Bitcoin, I think, is he built like this very successful secondary market uh, marketplace. And uh, so that's what this product was. And um, so, again, you don't need approval by the SEC, I don't believe, to launch this type of product. I wish a, lo- a, lo- a real lawyer could comment on that. Um, but they never got SEC approval. Now, they've been inching, inching ever slightly. They've been trying to, like, disclose these, these SEC filings voluntarily because they wanted to convert this thing to an ETF eventually. Because I think they realized that this product sucks and this product is going to make a lot of people angry. They're going to realize that, that Barry himself um, could could end this discount by basically buying shares, dumping Bitcoin on the market to close the gap, but to close the discount. But of course, he doesn't want to do that. That's the last thing that Barry wants to do. He wants this Bitcoin trapped in GBTC for as long as possible. Because if it comes on the market, um, if it comes on the market, it Bitcoin dumps, and that's probably worse for Barry than keeping it locked away. Plus, he makes the management fee on all the locked Bitcoin, uh, so he doesn't have an incentive to actually um, uh, want to go to an ETF or want to even. He doesn't even need the ETF to close the gap himself. He could totally do it himself because he controls his product. Again, he could buy shares and he could also dump Bitcoin on the market, but he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to crash the price of Bitcoin. So the question is, is who whose interest is he acting in? And does he have a duty to underlying GBT, you know, shareholders of this trust, or I like to call them beneficiaries of the trust? What what rights do they have? I think they basically have no rights. I could be wrong. Maybe there's some kind of fiduciary duty, but maybe Barry Silbert was really smart and he got he got rid of that that clause. So um but either way, I mean, even if you're a GBTC owner, you're probably very long Bitcoin, you probably have Bitcoin. You know, somewhere else, or you're maybe working in the industry or something, and it would do you no good to have this Bitcoin come out of GBTC and dumped on the market. I think that that would be devastating to Bitcoin. Uh, so I think that th- this was somewhat of a gift from the SEC. Now, I don't think they did this on purpose. I think that they did it because they honestly think this is a manipulated market they have no control over, and that to approve you know, this Bitcoin ETF would quite literally be a disaster, at least for their credibility um, and, uh, you know, just for the potential for more fraud to happen. I mean, there's already a lot of fraud in Bitcoin, but this would just increase it. And they'd be, you know, the SEC would be be at least responsible because they they would have approved a product that uh, they knew was manipulated and that could potentially harm a lot more people. So I don't think you can blame the regulator. There's this, there's this idea that you can blame the regulator, the SEC, for not, like, the argument is they didn't approve more people to be a GBTC, like, to have a GBTC-like product. But again, you don't need GBTC approval to do what, what Barry Silver did. Again, he's got, like, at least 10 other products just like GBTC for other tokens. And my question is, why hasn't any other firm done what he's done? It's a beautiful game plan. You lock up a token, right? You end up taking this token off the market. You take a huge fee. People don't know what they're buying. Like, it's a beautiful product. Like, go berry. Like, (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, I think Barry committed fraud when he was selling this product, but he created a very profitable product for himself and his company. So why hasn't this been copied? Now, did they get like, I mean, were they the only ones allowed to like launch this type of thing? Like, I don't really buy that argument because, um, because I don't believe they needed SEC approval. They needed to file an exemption because they were selling a security in the form of a private placement, right? But there's this, there's a, there's a loophole around doing like an IPO, right? Which is to file these exemptions, do a private placement, lock, lock up your shares for 12, 12 months. And then you can list on a, you know, convince like a OTC, sorry, a secondary marketplace to, to list your, your shares in the secondary market. And then uh, voila, you, um, you can, you can dump on the market. So again, why, 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 why didn't this product have competitors? Also, why? Uh, probably just because they got so huge and they had they just had market dominance. Um, but but again, why do they? Why did some people think that they needed SEC approval back then? Why do some people think that SEC kept other people out from doing like a, the same kind of product? Not talking about an ETF, just talking about exactly the same kind of product that that Grayscale did uh, with numerous different coins. I don't I don't see that. And the fact that Grayscale made a shitty product um, in the form of GBTC, and it's shitty because it, it hardly ever tracked the price of Bitcoin because it kind of can't because there's this limitation. You can't do the type of arbitrage in and out on an ETF unless you register with the SEC and get listed on a you know, huge name exchange. That's why Grayscale is limited to this other secondary type exchange over the counter market where they're limited to, you know, it's like closed in fun, which they say closed in. Meaning, I think you can't create, you know, you can't create new units and close out old units at the same time. I think that's what the difference is. And I'm not sure, you know, why exactly that is. Uh, maybe there's just more room for manipulation. So obviously, the SEC wants you to have additional disclosures, and and um, you know, Grayscale has not been approved for that because they haven't they haven't shown how they uh, how the underlying asset. Uh, trades, how it can't be manipulated, all of these different things. Anyways, I, I just, I don't buy this argument that the SEC is responsible. I don't buy the argument that, you know, the Grayscale even wants this, this to even happen, even though they're going through this probably expensive lawsuit. Maybe they see it as a worthwhile distraction so that they don't have to do anything personally to close the gap, to close this discount window and so they won't they won't be seen as the bad guys maybe they want to blame the sec but i just don't buy it i don't i think this is all smoke and mirrors to keep the bitcoin locked up i think they'll, they know they're going to lose and to keep barry from the spotlight he doesn't want to be sued personally for fraud he doesn't want angry people knocking on his door uh so i just think it's smoke and mirrors i i do i i don't buy that they really want the lawsuit i don't I don't buy that they really want their conversion to an ETF. Maybe they do eventually, um, you know, and maybe, maybe, maybe he'll short Bitcoin or something when it happens, if it does uh, and front run it. And of course, maybe he'll make a killing on all the arbitrage because he, he gets to decide who gets to probably be like an ETF um, arbitrage partner with his fund. Uh, so maybe he'll make a killing on the other side of this, but um it hurts Bitcoin. It, it's going to definitely tank Bitcoin. It's going to hurt Bitcoin, in my opinion. And so perhaps he's just delaying that inevitability, especially when Bitcoin's, you know, already going down in price. A lot of companies are hurting. 
and he, he probably wants to minimize um, the amount of damage that his ETF product could potentially do. Uh, and so worst case scenario, he's thinking this lawsuit takes at least a year. Maybe he thinks that Bitcoin will have rebounded by then. Uh, who knows? I, this is all my own speculation, but I don't really buy these Bitcoiners blaming the SEC for something. You know, they're saying, well, you, 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 you launch, you approve this um, futures Bitcoin product, but who does futures? The CFTC. So uh, I don't buy that argument either. Um, it's a completely different product, it's a completely different regulator. And I believe that they use like a, a regulated exchange to to figure out, you know, pricing on those futures. I don't know that much about that. So I'll leave it at that. But yeah, I think this is just a farce. This is just just smoke and mirrors. And, you know, there's prominent Bitcoiners just piling in on this, blaming the FCC. I just don't agree with any of their logic.